0: There's not a single passage of Scripture this morning that uh, is going to guide our reflection. There's actually several passages, and so we'll be referring to those as we go along. There's an outline in your uh, bulletin this morning, and there listed are the passages that we'll be looking at. So I would encourage you, in addition to pulling out that outline, to go ahead, and if you've got your Bible, to find a few Bible, and uh, when we come to those passages, uh, turn to them so that we can look at them together. All of us know how important the family is. All of us know how important it is that we as a family love one another, that we always get along, that we spend time with one another, that we show appreciation for one another. All of us know that's important. But what we experience, for some of us, sometimes, is something different. I heard about an elderly man whose family was constantly on him to go get a hearing aid because they were... Uh, frustrated that they always had to scream for him to hear anything. He finally relented, went to the doctor in town, got a hearing aid. It, it worked. He was able to hear 100% of everything. A month later, he goes back to the doctor just to get a checkup on it. The doctor looked at it, did some tests. He said, yeah, you are, you are hearing everything. You've got perfect hearing now. The doctor said, I bet your family sure is excited that you finally got that hearing aid. He said, oh, doctor, I hadn't told my family about it. <laughs> I just sit around now listening to their conversations. I've changed my will three times. <laughs> as much as we might want, The family to be a model of love and understanding where peace and harmony prevail, where we always get along. Most of us experience from time to time something different, even in the best of families. There are challenges, there are issues, there there are conflicts that have a capacity to disrupt family life. Muhammad Ali died uh, several weeks ago, and uh, in his death and all the promotion about his life, we were reminded about that fight that he and and George Foreman had in Zaire back in the late 70s. Remember what they called it? Rumble in the jungle. I got to think about that. I think, you know what, that is a pretty good, good description of the way a lot of family and home life in America is today. A rumble in the jungle. See, we have a saying, it's a jungle out there. See, life can be hard, life can be difficult. It's a jungle out there. Sometimes... The jungle makes its way into our homes, into our families, and if we're not careful, can disrupt family life. What are those? Starting this morning, we're going to look at four things that have the capacity to invade the family life and disrupt the harmony that God intends for us to have. We're going to use four metaphors from the jungle. Here they are. Sometimes it's the elephant in the room. Sometimes it's the 800-pound gorilla. Sometimes it's the deer in the headlights. Sometimes it's the snake in the grass. I think you're going to discover that some of us in our family, our immediate family or our extended family, from time to time... We have to deal with some of these predators. Left unattended, if they invade the family life, they can cause all kinds of trouble. But they don't have to. We don't have to let them. We have a way, through our faith in God, to defeat them, conquer them, and to send them out of our home. Let's look, first of all, this morning at the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is that thing, that problem, that issue that everybody knows is there, but nobody's willing to talk about it. You dare not bring it up. Because it's too painful, it's too awkward, it's too embarrassing. It's the elephant in the room. Maybe there's been infidelity in the marriage. You know it, your spouse knows it, but you've never dealt with it. You never talk about it. It's the elephant in the room. Maybe in your immediate family, your extended family, maybe there's a family member that... that drinks too much, and it's, got, it's gotten to a point where it's really becoming an issue and a problem, not just for that person, but ripple effect through the family. But you don't dare talk about it. It's the elephant in the room. Maybe you're now a stepfamily. Your ex-wife, your ex-husband, for whatever reason, still has some degree of presence, influence in your lives. It's becoming problematic. It's putting a wedge between you and your spouse. You know it's a reality. You don't talk about it. It's the elephant in the room. Maybe it's Internet pornography. Maybe it's somebody in the family has a gambling addiction. Elephants in the room are those family realities that we know are there. We do our best to ignore them, to pretend they aren't real. They're off limits to talk about. I don't know which families among us this morning have elephants in the room. I don't know if you do what your elephants are. But I know this. Elephants aren't supposed to live in your house. They disrupt family harmony. They keep us from talking with one another. There's never a situation, never, where an elephant in the room is a good thing. Its presence is always going to be a source of harm, a source of uneasiness that has to be addressed. Avoiding the elephant in the room is the easiest thing. That's what some families opt to do. they just decided it's much easier to embrace it, to give it space, to live with it, Because it's just too difficult to remove it. Listen, elephants aren't likely to go away on their own. They have to be removed. It's not easy. There's a couple in America today that's uh, come up with a new product that they think is going to make them overnight successes. Um, They've developed a a product they call Elephant Chat. It was featured some time back on that show The Shark Tank as a new idea. Here, here's what they've done. It, it's a stuffed, it's a little stuffed elephant that they cram down in this designer box. And whenever it's time, the family needs to have a difficult conversation. They, they take the elephant chat out, they, they set the box on the table, they take the top off, they take the elephant, set it down on the table. It's the elephant in the room. And it's supposed to launch family conversation and discussion. Well, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I got something a whole lot better to offer. You've probably never thought about it in this way, but Jesus, we're going to use some metaphors, in Christ, we have the ultimate elephant slayer. And with him, he gives us a capacity to remove that elephant from the room, whatever it is, and to end its havoc on the family. The question is, Do you want to remove the elephant in the room? Are you willing to do what it's going to take? Like I said, some folks opt just to embrace it and leave it alone. If that's what you decide to do, you just need to understand that as long as the elephant in the room goes undealt with, you're limiting the life, the joy that your family could experience and needs to experience. So let me offer you an alternative rather than just leaving it alone. With the help of Christ, our elephant slayer, we can deal with elephants in the room, whatever they are. Let me suggest four steps. and Scripture backs these up. Step one, talk to God about it. In other words, pray. Talk to God about it. See, the very nature of the, of the elephant in the room is that It stifles conversation. You can't talk with others in the family about the elephant in the room. That's what it does. It silences you. It shuts you up. So if you can't talk with one another about the elephant in the room, talk to God about it. And that's the first and most important conversation you need to have. That conversation is going to prepare you for the eventual time when you can talk to the other person about it. And that conversation with God, when you talk to God about it, it's going to start the work of the Holy Spirit in the situation in family life. Look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I'll give you a second to to look that up if you'd like. It's a very familiar passage. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Instead of just sitting around fretting about the elephant in the room and letting it destroy your sense of, of happiness and fulfillment and destroying your family, talk to God about it. Let Him know what, what you'd like to be done. Let Him know what you think needs to be done. Ask Him to give you wisdom about what to do. Here's what's going to happen. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, talking to God about the elephant in the room prepares you for how to face it gives you a peace of mind, gives you a sense of confidence and assurance in your heart that it's not going to defeat you and your family because God's going to be at work helping you get beyond that. It prepares you for that eventual time when you will be able to talk with one another. And talking to God about it prepares you to know when is the right time, the right way to begin dealing with it as a family. See, a lot of times, when we discover an elephant in the room, we rush right in there and try to tackle it. You ever try to tackle an elephant? You're usually not going to win. We rush in, and we either say things or we do things that just causes things to get worse, and there's some big family blow-up. How much better if we first talk to God about it? What's going to be the effect of that prayer? Look at James 5, 15 and 16. The prayer of faith will save the sick. A lot of times, the elephant in the room has something to do with someone struggling with something. Maybe there's some sinfulness. Maybe there's some, some wrong that, that needs to be righted. And the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. See, when you're praying to God, when you're talking to God about the elephant in the room, the power of God begins to un- be unleashed. And if that person or that family is open to receive and allow God's Spirit to work, it, it often leads to confession, it, which leads to repentance, repentance, which leads to forgiveness, which leads to God rising that family out of that conflict, whatever it is, and sending that elephant running. So until you can talk with one another in your family about the elephant in the room, talk to God about it. Prayer is good, but it's not enough. It launches you into the next step. And that is this. Confront it In love. When you're talking to God about it, it's going to prepare you for the right time and the right way to confront the elephant. Ignoring the elephant only allows it to do more harm. It needs to be confronted. It needs to be brought into the light of day and in a way that shows love and concern. Look at Ephesians 4.15. We're reminded that as Christians whenever there's conflict, tension, division in relationships, uh, we're called to speak the truth, but to speak it in love. Remember the story, David was uh, king of Israel. David, at this particular time, was kind of a mediocre king. Nothing really stood out about him. He committed a great sin with Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. He thought everything was going to be fine. No trouble. He do whatever he wants to do because he's the king. Well, people find out about it, so he decides now he's got to cover the sin up, so what he does is he takes Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, sends him to the front lines of the battle, and gives instructions to those in charge to just kind of let him be exposed to the enemy, and uh, basically had Uriah murdered. So Now, he's got Bathsheba. He's taking care of uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. He's out of the picture. Life is good. He thinks nobody knows a thing. Everybody knew what he did. It it was the talk of the kingdom, but it was the elephant in the room. You couldn't talk about it openly. David thought he got away with it. God sent a prophet by the name of Nathan to confront David. He said, David, what if there was a wealthy, powerful man who went to uh, a poor man and took everything that poor man had, even though the wealthy, powerful man already had all he needed? What would you think about that powerful man? He said, well, that man ought to be arrested. He ought to be thrown in prison. Nathan said, David, you're the man. You've got everything you need, yet you've taken Uriah's most precious, or really the only thing Uriah has, his wife. You've taken her, now you've destroyed him. You're the man. Because David was, was confronted by what he did, it led to deep, profound confession and repentance that turned David's life around. And he went on to become the greatest king Israel's ever known. I doubt seriously that he would accomplish greatness as a leader had he not been confronted with that elephant in the room. When Becky and I got married, it was two years that I was in the family before I realized that there was an elephant in the room in that family. They kept it from me. The elephant in the room was an alcoholic dad who... He was drinking and alcoholism had reached a point where uh, it was destroying the family and and dangerous. Matter of fact, for the last, the first 22, 23 years of her life, life was just chaos and, and hazardous, to put it mildly. When I joined the family, Nobody told me about it. They didn't want me. It was too embarrassing. It was too awkward. But when I joined the family, I became the family. And so, as a family, it reached a point where we realized this couldn't go on anymore. It had to be confronted and dealt with. An intervention was held, he was enrolled in a treatment facility. And it was, that experience was hard, it was nasty, it was ugly, it was difficult. But in the months that followed, he got the treatment he needed. He became sober. God began to work on his heart and his life, not just his body. And that elephant in the room faded away. And he and that family began healing. But that would have only happened, that only happened when the family decided, hey, we can't be silent about this elephant in the room anymore. we got to confront it. Years ago, there was a little boy who was constantly in trouble in school. He repeatedly was expelled uh, for hitting other children. In middle school, he was suspended 25 days for violent behavior. He had to leave one high school and go to another because he was fighting with the other students. Between the 8th grade and the 10th grade, he was suspended for 48 days for violent behavior. His parents knew that he was unruly, but it was the elephant in the room. Nobody ever talked about it. Nobody acknowledged its reality. Teachers would try to involve the parents in some parent-teacher dialogue about the problem, but the teachers say the parents never really did seem to be that interested in talking about it. The family just kind of accepted the fact that their son was a troublemaker. Two weeks ago, that little boy now 29 years of age, walked into a gay nightclub in Orlando and murdered 49 innocent people. Listen, the elephant in the room that nobody was willing to talk about has become the tragedy that everybody is talking about. I don't know what your elephant in the room is, either your immediate or your extended family, but I know this, it needs to be confronted. It needs to be brought into the full light of day. And here's the third step. This is probably the hardest of all. Be willing to forgive. Family health is not likely to be restored unless this one is achieved. The alcoholic father who conquers the addiction, he may conquer that addiction, yet if he never receives family forgiveness for the pain he's done, the house is still going to be a battleground. If the spouse confesses and repents genuinely of infidelity, brings that to an end, and forgiveness never comes, there's still no peace, no strength in the marriage. You know, if anybody other than Jesus was our elephant slayer, forgiveness might not be required. But when he is orchestrating things, he makes it pretty clear that forgiveness is a must. And until it's offered, that elephant still lingers. You see, for us as believers, the standard is set pretty high. Other people don't have to do this, but as followers of Jesus... We live by a different standard. Here's our standard. It's in Colossians 3, 12 and 14. When our relationships become fractured, uh, when there's conflict that we need to respond to, here's what we do. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. Forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you must forgive. You know, I I wish that God's Word here had been written differently. I wish it said, forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you. We recommend that you forgive. Or, it would really be nice if you forgive. God's Word is clear. You must forgive. Abraham Piper is the son of a famous, well-known pastor, John Piper. He knows the importance of receiving forgiveness, especially from family. When we stray or when we hurt the family. He spent four years of his life as a prodigal son in which he left his family roots, he spent four years heavily involved in drugs, um, abandoned everything that his parents had taught him in terms of faith and values. Here's what he says about the... And then he finally he came home, he returned. Here's what he says about the power of forgiveness. He says, when the prodigal son or daughter or the prodigal husband or wife decides to return, welcome them home. If a son or a daughter has... Any inkling to be a part of the family again, don't make it hard. Obviously, there are times when you will have to say, don't come to this house if, but those should be rare. If your daughter stinks like weed or like an ashtray, spray her jacket with Febreze, change the sheets when she leaves, but let her come home. If your son is broke because he spent all the money you lent him on loose women and expensive liquor, then forgive his debt as you've been forgiven. Don't give him any more money and let him come home. Now, why is he advocating such forgiveness? It's to point them to Christ. He goes on to say, You see, your rebellious child's real problem is not drugs or sex or cigarettes or porn or laziness or crime The real problem is that your child doesn't see Jesus clearly. And by extending love and forgiveness of God to a family member, what better way for them to come to believe and experience the power of Jesus, the power of God to transform life than receiving it freely extended? from members of his or her own family. What better way for them to know and experience the goodness of God? Be willing to forgive. And then step four. Commit to healing in the family. You see, the elephant may be gone, but it leaves behind a lot of brokenness that has to be repaired. You see, the, the pain of adultery doesn't end after the affair stops. It has, there has to be a starting of a process of rebuilding and healing the marriage. The brokenness of addiction does not end when the using stops. There has to be a commitment the healing of relationships that have been damaged. There has to be a commitment of launching into a deeper relationship with God who can take the brokenness and remold that family and that individual into something that's whole again. No therapist in the state of Georgia can give you better advice to overcome the brokenness of the elephant in the room, whatever it is, than what God's Word gives us in James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Here it is. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, the elephant in the room, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands and purify your heart. Lament and mourn and weep. In other words, have a sense of remorse and confession over the pain that you've caused. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy into dejection. In other words, don't laugh off your sin. Don't minimize or belittle the damage you've brought into your family. Take it seriously. And then closes with this. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. You see, it's not enough to remove the elephant in the room. For wholeness to happen in the family requires that in its place, where it used to be, you bring and you plant solidly there the presence of Jesus Christ, who from that moment will begin to guide the conversations and the attitudes towards one another. He's in that he is able to help us slay the elephant, whatever it is, better than anybody else. So, what's the elephant in the room in your family? And some of you may be thinking, "Well, we don't have an elephant in the room. Thank God if you don't. But I suspect that. More of us probably do than don't. It's just that we are still in that state of denial about it. Are you the elephant in the room? Do you want the elephant to leave? He's ready to lead, he's ready to take charge when you're ready to ask. Let's pray together. Oh, God, there's something that we in the church often do to our own um, demise. Sometimes, because we're church people, we, we try to convince others and convince ourselves that our families, our homes, are immune from the conflicts, the difficulties and the chaos that might invade other families. Lord, maybe we experience those in lesser degree. But the reality, oh God, is true, that in any church, regardless of how faithful we as believers might be to you, so often in our families, there's division, there's disappointment, there's confusion, There are elephants in the room that enter and they do their best to silence us, to control us, and to gradually drain the life out of us. God, if that's the case for any of the families of our church this morning, right now, Give us honesty enough to discern that. Accept that. And then realize that with your help, that elephant in the room, whatever it is, is not meant to have power over us. It's not meant to live in our house. It's not meant to destroy us. But with your help, we can defeat it. Rise above it. Oh God, just thank you for this day and thank you for all the families here. And uh, Lord, uh, if there are any of us who wrestle with some of this, uh, I just pray, Father, that they we will sense your presence and will know that um, uh, conquering the elephant begins. Talking with you about it seeking your counsel, seeking your intervention. And so we pray that that can happen. In the name and spirit of Christ, we pray. Amen.